Reclamation Week here at Abundant Life. 
And on the first day, first day, the devil had the audacity, said the devil had the nerve to show up, <laughs> to try to do battle with Jesus over our souls, said Jesus versus Satan over us. And Satan said, you've been lying in your condition so long. In the filth of your situation. So long. You can expect to stay there. You, abundant life, can expect to die there. You'll never get up. Well, then Jesus said, would you be made whole? Then rise. <laughs> Take up your bed and walk. But you're a sinner, Satan said. You're no good. You're a scoundrel. You're a drug addict. You're a hose. That's who you are. But Satan said, that is who you are. But Christ said, that is not who you are. Oh, sinners might be what you are, but that ain't who you are. You've been bought by royal blood. You are the sons and daughters of God. And don't you forget it, but then Satan said, you can't go to Jesus. We got gangs, and we got drugs, and we got guns. We got tribulation in this world that will oppress you, that will repress you, that will depress you. And Jesus said, yeah, in this world, you're going to have some tribulation. Yeah, abundant life, you're going to have some hard times, but that's all right. In fact, be of good cheer, for I, Jesus, have overcome the world. The world can't throw nothing at you that I haven't beat already. Maybe you didn't hear. I'm Jesus, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe. And while I'm talking, I'm a living God. And everything that happens, even your tribulation, is part of my strategy. It's part of my plan. It's part of my purpose for you. And Satan said, you a lie. He said, Jesus is a liar. Jesus will say anything just to get you to serve him. But then on Tuesday, we pulled out the word. <laughs> we talked about the sword, did we not? And we proceeded to beat Satan all upside his head. We said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, God is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> Satan said, go on then. Go on to Jesus. You'll just mess up again. You failed before you'll fail again. You messed up before, you'll mess up again. You fell before, you will fall again. But the word of God says, now unto him who is able. 
<laughs> able to keep you from falling, to keep you from going down, to keep you from going back, and that wasn't all. It said then he was able to present you faultless, spotless, dirtless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy when you walk with Jesus. My now Satan was desperate. And he took his hand like this and rolled back the curtains of door number one. And behind it was all of the lure, the drugs, the sex, the hotels, the gambling, the money, the pleasures of this world. And he said, abundant life, all this I'll give to you this world and all it has to offer I will give you if you just give up your crown if you just give up glory I will give you all of this but last night I saw a church rise up and say we will not sacrifice our crown for anything we will hold fast to what we have and church, it is good. Jesus, seven, Satan, nothing, game over. <laughs> Satan had made a claim over our souls and our souls were not his to take. Our souls weren't even ours to give when we all came down as one last night we returned to Jesus that which belonged to Jesus and now we move forward this way and I charge you I charge you abundant life to move on faith I charge you to remember who you are I charge you not to let the world get you down especially since Jesus has beat it down I charge you to remember your purpose I charge you to pull out the word I charge you to walk with Jesus because only that way can you avoid falling and I charge you charge you to never relinquish your crown never let go of your crown and I charge you to meet with me and oh me Ryan by the grace of God to meet with you one day round the throne one day on the sea of glass one day at the welcome table, me and you, abundant life, the reclaimed children of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's have a church. Um, now as we enter into the fourth quarter, of our March Madness, um, Pastor Madden will be taking over. Uh, he's going to charge us. He's going to give us the word. Um, but first, I would like to have introduce Crystal. She'll be giving us a little song that she wrote for the Thank you. 
powerful song when we pray um, I just received this note to pray for brother Valdez um, and his mother uh, he had to go to Panama it says uh, pray for his mother um, they're going through a, a delicate surgery is it and uh, they're asking for us to pray for them. And so we will include them in our prayer as we begin uh, today. Uh, today we begin, um, I would say the underlying theme of this is Reformation. We have gone through revival. We have gone through uh, reclamation and we are focusing on reformation uh, this week and I believe that God's church needs to do some soul searching I truly believe there are individuals in our midst right now that are very uncomfortable in your living condition. You are uncomfortable in all that this state of confusion has given you. 
and you want to make a change. And this is your season. This is your season for change. And most of us, we are just flat out afraid. Afraid. We know that our lives are not being lived the way God intended for it, the way it should be lived. And you want to change. You know that you're in a messed up situation. That relationship, that job, the situation you find yourself in, you want to make a move. And you want to change. This month, we have been challenged by three preachers. Pastor Michelle, flying in from Canada, shaking the place, creating an earthquake. Then we had Pastor Hans Philip that came in from Rhode Island, Providence, and he had his contribution, sniper. And we were moved, we were touched. This week, we had our evangelists here, Ryan Johnson, and he shook the place, sword and crown, and telling us to rise. We were challenged. And last night, while the appeal was being made, I looked out across the audience, and I saw fear across the faces of many. Some, they're trapped in a situation that they want out, but they don't know how to get out. And as the appeal was made, some came forward with tears in their eyes. They want to surrender. Some are chained to circumstances, chained to situations, and God wants to deliver them. And the word was preached, but still refusing to make a move. Aren't you tired of this world? Aren't you truly tired of this world? I don't know about you. Aren't you just, don't you want to change? I know the truth of it, some of us don't. <laughs> we're saying no, we're comfortable. <laughs> we just bought our house. We just got married. My wife is so beautiful. My husband is so handsome. I've got it made. But there's a deception. And this week, we want to uncover this deception. We want to point to truly what God is doing here and, and what Satan, the plans that Satan has right now. And truth be told that many of us, 
we are right there on that pit and we are about to fall over and we don't know it. We don't know the situation. We don't know that we are in a critical situation and that God is calling us to wake us up. He wants us to be alert, to know what's happening. And church, I'm asking you to pray this week because I know the devil is angry and he's mad. But I want to praise God that we serve a victorious God. And indeed, when I read in the back of the book, in the book of Revelation, we see God standing, Jesus standing with all the redeemed. And I don't know about you, but I plan to stand with him. How many of us want to stand with him? How many of us truly want to stand with God? Amen. I gave you an assignment this week. Have you brought your white cloth? If you brought your white cloth, I'm asking you to lift it up. Lift it up. If you haven't brought your white cloth, we will give you a substitute. <laughs> Take one and pass it on. <laughs> Folks, my grandmother told me the story once. She said, life is like, it starts out like a white cloth. You're introduced to this life of purity, everything, you're in the age of innocence. Everything is fine. But at times, some of us, we have, we, we've made mistakes and we've deviated from the path. she was talking to one of my young cousins and as she was talking to my cousin Lisa she took that white cloth in her hand and she said be very careful how you live your life be very careful be careful of strange situations and she took her hand and she rubbed her hand in the, in the mud. And she said, you know, you're going to meet strange people. And they will take you and they'll rub themselves into you. And they will mess you up to the point that your purity is soiled. And you lose what you should have maintained and she said be very careful as we live in this world the Lord wants us to be pure the scripture tells us says to be holy for I am holy it is possible for us to live a pure life even in Vegas it is possible for us to have 
our garments trimmed and white and remain pure. There's no excuse. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing many young folks talking and say, listen, you know, I can't help it. In a sense, I can't be pure. I can't live a life of purity. But I want you to know it is possible. God wants us to keep our garments trim and pure. Young man, it is God's intention that you become a pure vessel. To that family who has drifted off the course, God wants you to be pure and holy, tried and true. And so as we come today, I want you to keep your white cloth. I'll be using it. I'm asking you to maintain this as we go through this because truly I'm hoping and praying that today we will dedicate our lives in such a way that the purity of the Holy Spirit will just wash us and make us clean. Amen? Let us pray today. Touch somebody as we pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give you thanks. We praise your name, Lord, because you are worthy to be praised. As we open up this sermonic discourse, we ask, Lord, that you will please lead us. We need a word from you, Father. But we pray, Father, that you will take this word that you have prepared and that you will just help us to have it applied to our lives, Lord. Bless those of us in this inner sanctum, in this sanctuary. Bless those that's listening online. We pray, Father, that your anointing will be upon us. Touch us, Lord. Bless us and guide us, we pray, in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The book of Ephesians is a very interesting book written by Paul. Apparently it was written on his uh, second missionary journey after his conversion uh, Paul was traveling through the regions of Ephesus. And Paul was one that he was intrigued with culture, he was intrigued with language, and he studied the, the anthropology and the sociology of each region that he went to in, in order to be informed in reaching these individuals. Paul was a scholar in his own right. And so we see Paul. 
Paul, this man of God that was in the world, this man that had his own ideas of doing things and he was trying to do things his own way, God arrested him on the, the road to Damascus, turned his life around, and this man became a powerful tool in the hand of God. And so when we look at the life of Paul, it, we could see that nothing is impossible to what God can do in someone's life. Even the wor your worst enemy, God can touch that enemy and that enemy can turn around and he could be a great ally. And so Paul in the Bible is one such person because Paul was, he was on the other side pulling Christians out of churches and bringing them to the synagogue and even stoning them and participated in this, stone, killing Christians to death. And so what we are understanding here, that God had a mission for this man. And when God has a mission for someone, he will travel the length. He doesn't matter where, wherever he has to go, he will travel the length and the breadth to get this man or woman and bring that person to the point where they could be used by God. And Paul was such a person. And so we see in the book of Ephesians here, Ephesians chapter 6, we see Paul opening up this very chapter. And it says, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. I want to have all the children stand up. All the children, wherever you are. Children, if you are a child of anyone in the house, it doesn't matter how old you are, stand. Right? Children, it says, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. Amen. We have some gray-haired children, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It says, honor. Honor your father and your mother. Keep standing. Honor your father and your mother. You, I mean, you, you, this is the part where it really counts, right, Kobe? Right? Honor your mother and your father. Uh, honor your, your father and your mother which is the first commandment of promise, so that you may be well, it may be well with you, and that you may live long in the earth. Do you get what it says? If you honor your mother and your father, look at your mom and dad. If you honor your mother and your father, the Bible tells you that you will live long in this earth. Amen? Now, Paul is talking to the children, and he's telling them, obey. Obey your parents in the Lord. Do you understand that? In the Lord. Now, if your parents are working outside of the Lord, doing things that they ought not to do, the Bible gives you permission not to obey them. So it tells you, obey your children in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment of promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you will live long on this earth. Amen. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. The Bible continues, and Paul continues in this way, and he says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Fathers, please stand. 
two categories, right? The Bible is telling us, fathers, 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 do not provoke your children in wrath, right? To wrath, right? But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Amen? It tells us very plainly there is a role that the father must play in the home. Many of our homes are messed up because there's no dad. Many of our homes are messed up because our dads are messed up. And the Bible is speaking and says, don't provoke your children. I have seen it. I have seen fathers provoking their children. And even sometimes my wife says, oh, O'Neill, you're going too far. <laughs> sometimes we have, to be, we, we have to be keyed in. It is very important we have a role to play in our homes. And if you drop the ball, don't expect your children don't expect your children to automatically sprout wings and be all righteous. You have a grave task. And Paul is bringing this out in a very strong way. And this was the, the, the situation to the, uh, the people of Ephesus. Please be seated, fathers. As we open up this message... It is my hope that the Lord will so bless us and anoint us in such a way that we will see our duty and see exactly what is happening in the homes. Now, Paul did not mention particularly anything relating to mothers, but he told the children to honor the mothers, right? We saw that in the first verses. Mothers, please stand. I have to balance it off, right? <laughs> now, mothers, there is a duty that you play in the home. You are the one that takes care of the home and that makes sure that everything is stable in the home. You are the peacemakers in the home, right? And to a large extent, without you, there will be no home. Because the stats showing us right now that Single parent mothers, you're the one that is holding society together. If you did not exist right now, the crime rates will go out of whack. And so mother, please hold your rank and in, make sure that we, you maintain that spiritual tone within the home. Paul brings us all together as a family mother, father, children honoring the mother and father, everyone working in their particular roles, and that we will all be focused on the ideal of serving God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, mothers. Please be seated. As we open up, Paul goes on in, the book, in this book of Ephesians, and he talks about slave and masters. And if you understand back then, uh, this... The, the, the term slave and masters were used in a very loose way. This is almost like 
um, someone that is working for you. And he, he gives you the ideal how we should relate to each other. But as we go on to that, we see that Paul, he leads into his main point within the text. And he is showing us something of that time that pertains to our time even now. And we basically right now, I have to tell you because of what is happening in the homes, fathers not living up to their responsibilities, mothers not living up to their responsibilities, children being rude to parents, disobedient to parents, rebellious to parents, it has led this society of what I call today in a state of emergency. We are in a state of emergency. And we have to understand that there is a battle that's being fought that we cannot see. There is a battle that's being waged that we cannot see right now. And many of us are giddy-headed, living our lives, not aware of what is happening. And that's the worst battle that you could fight. It is so hard to fight against something that you cannot see, that you cannot touch, but it is there. It's an imminent threat to society. There is a war being waged right now and the things that is present right now, the things that we can see is indicating the, to the extent of the things that we cannot see. And I'm gonna break this down for you um, at this time. If you open up my slide, project uh, the PowerPoint. I want you to understand as the sermon title is entitled today, A State of Emergency. We're in this situation right now where our society has gone wild. All kind of things happening, whether you talk about national disaster, whether you talk about economic loss, whether in the healthcare, all kind of different things. Things are just gone crazy. And we have to understand, we're in this state of emergency. We see a rise of people walking into buildings and just spraying it up. Whether it is a mosque, a church, or schools, there is a reason why this is happening. It's not by chance. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Now, if you remember, there was a man when I was in Canada at the time, and there was this man, I believe he was called Jeremiah Wright. Uh, he was uh, the pastor, one of Obama's pastor. And uh, he, he went and he was speaking about a number of these things, and he says, America's, and I remember he did something like this, America's, what did he say? America's chickens are coming home to roost. And they use that in a political way. But what we have sown all these years, we are reaping even now, church. And we got to understand what you are sowing in your family right now, you will reap later. What you're sowing in your school system, you're reaping later. What you're sowing in your church right now, you're going to reap later. And it is time for God's people to wake up because these things, what we're seeing, will increase. It will increase. 
We're going to see signs of these, the flag at half mass over and over because of these tragedies that's hitting our country over and over and over. And it is time for God's people to wake up. We got to wake up and realize that we are in a state of emergency. Amen. We're seeing all these, these scenes. As soon as I open up my AOL, my wife and myself, we're always saying, man, it is always bad news, bad news, one after the other. And this is happening. These are things that we can control, but we're seeing it has gone out of control because what we have sown. We're seeing natural disasters taking place. All over and over, I'm hearing when I was on the East Coast, over I would hear, you know, forest fire in California, burning out a whole area. And in all these different regions, there is a reason why these things are happening. Floods taking place all across. Remember just around the, the, the last election, what was the name of, what was her name? Huh? Sandy? Sandy came to town <coughs> and wiped out the Northeast, New Jersey, New York, all those regions. These things are happening and they're happening in quick successions. There's a book, if you have not read that book, it's a book that is called The Great Controversy. It is very important that you get that book and you read it. I read that book twice when I was around 17 years old, and I'm telling you, that book just opened my eyes to the things that's happening in this world. Natural disasters taking place, coming and hitting the coastal areas of North America and the regions right, right across the world. And so, God's people, we need to be aware of these things, we have to wake up and realize what is happening in our world. Amen? There's uh, information that I got from um, the web relating to some of these natural disasters. And it says natural disasters, 56% of all Americans agree that God is in control of everything that happens in the world. Isn't that great? 56%, at least there's a majority, okay? Earthquakes and other natural disasters are signs of God, right? Now, 44% of Americans agree that the severity of the recent natural, national, uh, natural disasters is evidence that we are in what the Bible calls the end time. We are in the end time. 58% agree that it is, it is evidence of the global climate change. But what we are seeing here, people are aware that we are in the end time. This is the time of the end. This is what Jesus spoke about in the book of Matthew chapter 24. 
this is where he talks about the sea shall be roaring and we shall see earthquakes in diverse places and all of these disasters shall take place. The love of many shall be waxed cold and we're seeing in every sector of society all these things taking place. God's people must wake up to the reality of what is happening. I'd like you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. And as we put all of this in context, we see what is happening now. But let us see what the scripture is talking about and it's telling us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 10, actually, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil, the whole armor of God, that he may be able to stand, withstand the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the uh, world's rulers, against darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against these things. Can you show the video, please? We wrestle against flesh, not against flesh and blood. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth. And the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times, and on every occasion, in the power of God. soldier here the Bible tells us that we should put on the whole armor of God the whole armor of God Paul spent time in prison and as he spent time in prison he many times they thought that he was uh, a threat to escape because you see he escaped a couple of times and so they would chain him to 
these Roman guards. And at times, uh, Paul, he took time to observe the, the armor. He took time to exer- observe the helmet and the shield and the breastplate and the sword and, and, the, and the feet gear and so forth. And what Paul observed, he looked at this and he saw the, 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 the outfit of the enemy and he, he was able to translate it and put it in a spiritual way as we're reading right now. The Bible is telling us that the fight that we're fighting right now, we may not understand. And we are going to be going through this this week. And we're going to be showing and exposing some things that even in this church, in this society, that you are not aware of. Certain things that God has embedded and showed us here that we, how we are able to withstand these things. And so as we see this armor, we see that there is the protection of the head. We need to be protected. We need to be protected on our, our main torso. We need the, the shield of faith to fight back the arrows of the, the wicked one. And also we need the sword that we will be able to cut forth. Now, we had a good sermon on that this week that talked about the sword. And also we need the footwear We need the appropriate footwear that will be able to trample on wherever we trample, the ground we trample on. If there's anything on the ground, we will be be protected right from the feet to the head. God has promised that he will protect us. Some of us are fearful of even making the move to God, not realizing that God, he has a protection for every single one of us. Now, I want to drop something in your theology. Anything that God is describing here in this armor, it is a spiritual thing. In a sense, the spirit is symbolized in all of this. The symbol wants, the spirit wants to protect your your mind. He wants to protect your body. He wants you to use the word that you will be able to overcome. Amen? He wants you to use the shield to fight back the arrows of the wicked one. He wants to watch where you walk that you will be protected. It's very important for us to understand that when God calls you, he equips you. When God calls you, he doesn't send you into battle without nothing. You are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I'm going to need you again. Thank you. All right. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Very good. Now, as we look at this, I want you to understand, I just have a few minutes, I'm going to break this down, but uh, tonight we're going to open up in a different way and show you some of the things that's happening right here. This is a spiritual warfare that is happening right now. We think that what we see, we think that we are fighting against men. We think that you, you think that you're fighting against your bosses or you're fighting against that spouse or that ex or whoever it is. The fight is not against, it's not in that realm. There is a spiritual battle that's being waged right now. As many of us that's in this church right now, 
God has appointed an angel to be with you. But the truth of it, when we switch sides and start worshiping Satan, do you know that Satan appoints a guardian angel to be with you? Satan's angels, it is none, let me say, let me break it down. None of us is without an angelic being. It is either you have a demonic angel with you or you have an angel of God. Have you ever been speaking to someone or witnessing to someone and they're, and they're so, it seemed like they're, they're just resisting? Nothing you could say of truth is taking hold. They're just deflecting everything, deflecting, deflecting. The truth be told is that many of us, we are possessed and we, because of the way we live our lives, we are being wrapped up in Satan's web that we can't even think for ourselves. In the book of Matthew, in Mark chapter 5, we see this man, this demoniac that was possessed. And this man, he wanted to be freed. He wanted to be delivered. And when he saw Jesus crossing over the river of Gennesaret, and he saw Jesus, the man ran unto Jesus. And as he was running, he was struggling within himself. And the demons were holding him back because the demons caused him to cut himself and to abuse himself and to do all of this. And the man was struggling and struggling and struggling. And what eventually happened when the man came over, the demons started to speak. And as they were speaking and conversing, Jesus cast them out. And immediately when the man was freed of the demons, he wanted to serve Jesus and follow Jesus wherever he went. I want you to understand, there's none of us that is left alone. It is either you're with the devil or with God. There is no in-between. Sometimes we like to think that, you know, we're in a neutral ground. There is no neutrality with salvation. It is either you're on the devil's side or on God's side. And so when a choice, when an appeal is made, there is this looming tension. There's a battle between demonic forces and the battle is for your mind. It is for our mind and we have to stand forth. We got to realize this is no little fairy tale. Some of us have watched so much movies and cartoons and all of these things that we cannot even pertain, we cannot even look at reality or understand what is real and what is fake. And so when the scripture breaks this down now and he says, finally, brethren, my brother, and understand this in context now, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul has presented an argument for us to be strong. And he's presented the argument in the word of God. And he says, based on the word of God, I want you to be strong. Because I know who God is and the power of God, I want you to be strong. But he goes on in verse 11, and he says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. You see, as Christians, this is the way we act as Christians, right? We know that, well, you know, we grew up traditionally as a, as a Christian, and so, well, we read our Bible, read a little of our Bible every day, and we feel a little, we feel good. 
right? So we put, we just take up the sword. And so we go to war with our sword. And going to war is going about your daily roots. And so we go to war with our sword. Can you imagine now a Roman army, a warrior, come, come Jaden, uh, just lend me your sword. I'll illustrate this. Y you know, we are told that we should put on the whole armor. And so we get up and we go to battle with our sword, right? And we are battling with our sword. When the, uh, the arrows of the enemy comes, what do we have to block it? If you're skilled with the sword, maybe you will block one of them, right? But the Bible is telling you to put on the whole armor. But we tell ourselves, no, no, listen, you know, uh, what I like what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing a little of this, little of reading a little devotion here, right? But I could read a little devotion, but I could fool around on the side. You know, I could read a little devotion, but I could go and gamble and do a little thing here, right? What God is telling us to put on the whole thing. Don't take any chance. You know, the fact that some of us don't put on, it's we're saying that, hey, we could handle it. We could handle it. The truth be told is that many people in this church today feels that they are in control of their lives. You are in control of your destiny. After all, you walked in here, you know, you have total control. You could do whatever you want. And so, hey, you know, your life is, you know, is, this is my life. You know, I'm educated. I have my house. I have my car. I have my wife. I have my husband. I have everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. And I have money in the bank. So I don't need nothing. So you are in control. You have your own armor. But your armor is going to run out. Your armor will not withstand. You will lose the battle. And I'm telling you this, but some may not believe what I'm saying. The battle will be lost if we ignore what God says. He tells us to put on the whole armor. He didn't say put on part of it. He didn't just say put on the helmet. He didn't say that. He said, put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand, to withstand the enemy's attack. And so as we look here, the scripture is very clear. Put on the whole armor of God so that he may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. The battle that's been fought here is not a physical battle. You can't see it. You cannot see it. The battle comes in through the internet. It comes in through the TV. It comes in through some of even the illicit relationships. Things are happening that you don't even know what's taking place. And you are being webbed into Satan's deception and you're being carried away. The battle is being won, it is being fought on a higher level. Some of us, when we heard that there was a, a new pope is gonna come into office, we said, whoa, what is happening? We have a sense that something is happening in the world, but we don't know what. Because we know, well, if prophecy is fulfilled very well, we know that these two beasts of Revelation chapter 13, they're gonna to come together, and they're gonna to consolidate 
We're going to be talking about some of these things. They're going to, be, they're going to consolidate and they're going to have a power over not only America but the entire world. But we don't quite know how it's going to work. And so that brings us concern. There is a battle that is going on right now. And the fact of it, we don't know exactly how it's taking place. We don't know where the attack is going to come from. And that scares us. Let me break this down. It tells us now, this is all against the wilds of the earth. It says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, world rulers, darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When I came to Vegas here, met this 14-year-old girl, and she told me her story. And she said, Pastor, I see things a little different now. The majority of people in the church, they don't know what's happening. And she confessed to me, told me her story. She said, I started playing with this game with my, with, with my friends at school. She was going to this public school. And I was playing with this game, at this Ouija board. And it's a fun game. Picked it up at Walmart. And she was playing this game. And before long, this thing was telling her anything she guessed it was, it was amazing. It was just working on its own. But then she started seeing that, no, this is wrong. And she started, I mean, getting these nightmares. And she said, no, I got to get rid of this. And this girl told me she took this thing and she destroyed it, got rid of it, came back to her room, and the thing was right there. And then she got scared. I mean, she tried everything to get rid of it, threw it out, came back, burned it up, came back there. And I'm saying, wow, I heard this before. The last person I heard that went through that, that person lost their mind. And that was in Trinidad. But this girl, 14-year-old, she got down and she started praying. She started going back to her Sabbath school lessons and she started praying and praying and praying and praying. And I mean, she didn't know what to do. And she got some others, got some elders, and she prayed and prayed and prayed. And eventually, this thing did not come back. She was delivered. But that opened her eyes forever to see that there was a spiritual battle being waged on young people. 
there is a spiritual battle being waged even for people, big people in church. They don't understand what's happening. All they're doing is coasting through life thinking that life is okay, but Satan is trying to trip you up. There are disturbances that's happening in your homes right now and you don't understand why is all this rebellion? There is something and there is someone behind it. There is a spiritual battle. The battle that we, of all battles that we know right now, it began in a spiritual way and it will end in a spiritual way. The first battle Look it up in the Bible. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, it tells us that Michael and his angels, they warred with the dragon and his angels. And you know the dragon is the devil, right? And they made war. And there was a war in heaven. And this war loomed on. I don't know for how long. But this war, it got to the point that Michael... And his angels prevailed, and it says the dragon and his angels, there was found no place in heaven for him. And it says he was cast out onto the earth. And it says, woe unto the inhabitants of the world, because Satan has been cast down. The devil is down here, and he is coming at us with great wrath. You know what great wrath is, right? He is coming with all cunning and deception and everything to cause disturbance in our homes, in our society. And we gotta understand, we're living in Vegas right now and we think that, hey, okay, you know, life is all right, you know? Life is real. Yeah, it is real. But I'm telling you, Christ is the only answer. He's the only compass that could lead us out of this mess. Many of us in this place, right now, your life is messed up. Your life is messed up and you are turning around. You don't know where to go. Christ is the answer. He's the only answer. And so Paul now speaks, and I've got to break this down. Paul, and conclude... Paul, he's talking here and he's saying that this battle is not what you see, but it's what you don't see. And as we're seeing here now, this battle unfolding, Paul, he's seeing this even in the area of this place, Ephesus. And when we think of this place, Ephesus, we see that Ephesus means a place, it means desirable. In many ways, it, it, is, it was a desirable place to live. And, and when we think of Ephesus, it, it was actually the first church that John was introduced in the book of Revelation. If you read in Revelation chapter two, right? The angel, it says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. It says, I know thy works. God knows your works. I know, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and that thou hast tried 
them which saith that they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hath not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou hast fallen and repent and do the first, thy first, the first works or else I will come quickly and remove, remove the, thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent. And he goes on and he tells them, counsels them. But what he is saying that he knows thy works. And he's saying that we have lost our first love. Have you lost your first love today? Have you lost sight of Jesus Christ? The truth be told, every single one of us here, whether you're a visitor or you're a member, all of us had our humble beginnings in the church in some church tucked away in somewhere and you could talk about your experiences then and where is your life now God is calling you back there is destruction that is coming right now on this city this city is being destroyed every day and the destruction, it starts in a spiritual way. It always starts in a spiritual way. And then after it has had its fill, it's going to spill over and manifest even in a physical way. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll be talking about that a little later. And you're going to see some of the things that you have never seen, even the parallels with what's happening right now demonic forces right now are on the loose and many of our lives are destroyed spiritually but God wants you back he wants you to rediscover your first love as you have heard these words and I have to cut this here you have heard this God is appealing to his people to come back home. It is time for us to go back to the king. It is time for us to realize we can't do it like this anymore. We can't continue like this anymore.
as we come to the close of this a war has been fought and is for your mind Satan has enslaved this world for nearly 6,000 years and if we're not for Jesus Christ if he did not show up and give us a way of escape he would have kept us forever direct quote great controversy it's important for us to understand in order for Christ to make a difference in our lives we must surrender not only surrender but we must surrender all and then when a war is being fought and the enemy is trapped and there is no way to go what does the enemy do you wave a flag you surrender I'm surrendering to Jesus today and what I'm saying in my surrender to Jesus I'm saying Jesus I'm not gonna walk the same way that I have been walking all these years I want to make a difference Lord I want you to make a difference in my life I don't want to be living in this messed up world, making wrong choices that's contrary to your will. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering my life of adultery, fornication, drug abuse. I'm surrendering to you, Lord. I'm giving it all over. Even as a father or a husband, I want you to be I want you to come in and help me to be all that I can be. I'm surrendering to you today. And I'm lifting my flag of surrender today. If you want to surrender today and you truly mean it, I want you to lift your flag of surrender today. And stand with me. Wave your flag of surrender.